Thank you, worship team, uh, for leading us today. Give me just a second to uh, kind of get everything prepared here. I like it better last week when uh, Mark kind of brought it to a close because then I could take a minute to get everything uh, ready. Now I know why some churches do their video announcements at the end of worship. That and, you know, most of the people aren't here at the beginning and so they want everyone to see them. That's not a slam on you, that's every church. I mean, it's just, it is what it is and so uh, we're not the most on-time people in the world but uh, that's okay, God loves us anyway, amen? But one of these days at 10.30 we are gonna hand out $100 bills and you are gonna miss it so just letting you know. Letting you know now, the favor of God is coming. Uh, I do, I wanna take a second and just uh, kind of celebrate with you. You know, I looked at the, the financial report for this last year and this has been um, one of the hardest years for me emotionally and uh, pastorally and just in so many different ways. And in March, we're gonna be having our annual meeting. And if you don't usually attend an annual meeting, I want to, uh, ask you to consider coming and so in the next week when you get your February March calendar you'll see the date I don't recall when it is uh, but we're gonna actually I do it's daylight savings time <laughs> and then the ladies are gonna be serving a soup and sandwich lunch right after church and then we're gonna have our annual meeting and at an annual meeting there's business that you have to do I mean you have to vote on deacons and you have to cover the financial report and you have to talk about stuff um, but I don't want to just do that I want to celebrate what God has done this year because he's done so much this year through our youth ministry, through our Royal Family Kids Camp, uh, in just different avenues throughout our body. And so we're gonna take time to celebrate what God has done in addition to the business. And so we're gonna try to get through the business part as quick as we can. I mean, we wanna take time to do that, but we wanna celebrate what God has done this past year and look forward to what he has done this year. Because with God, it's not, the past isn't the best. Yesterday is not the best. If, if what God has in store for our future is worse than what he did in the past, we don't know him. I mean, we sing songs about it all the time. Every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. Do we just sing those songs or do we really believe that? And sometimes we get trapped in this lie from the enemy that we gotta break out of something and we're out of something. We're gonna break through and God is good. Um, and so as I looked at the financial report, bring my brain back in. Um, at the end of this year, we were able to get all of our accounts in the black, everything, children, youth, all of them, missions, and the general account had money in it at the end of the year. Now, you may be like, well, that's not a big deal. Um, but for most of the year, we were like $8,000 in the red, bleeding from every avenue. And here's the thing, you guys have been so faithful to give and to tithe, but I have watched money come from sources outside of our church. And so God is in control of what's taking place. And if we just keep our eyes on him and we keep seeking him, he's gonna take care of us. So thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. And then um, I thought there was one other thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I look this way, 
I thought there was one other thing. Um, the team that came from Sioux Falls yesterday, what a great group of guys. One of them from Teen Challenge, a Teen Challenge graduate. Um, him and Jenny were just celebrating together what God has done because we were talking about Teen Challenge will be here with us um, on a Sunday in March. That's coming up. That's going to be a great uh, Sunday you're not going to want to miss. And uh, so many of them just in different walks of life, but coming uh, because Scott said, hey, do you guys want to go to Huron with me and build a wall for a church? Uh, he raised all of the funds. People donated the money. You're looking at over $1,000 worth of materials and labor that they were able to raise and just donate to us. And uh, so we just thank God for that and just for, for that. And so, and I know some of you are like, I don't know if I like it. You'll, it'll grow on you. Okay, it's okay. Um, you know, it's funny that I like it because, you know, I'm one of those people. In fact, yesterday the screen was slightly crooked when they were all done. And uh, one of the guys just knew I, can't, I couldn't live with that. And so they went up on the scaffolding again after we were all done just to straighten it out. So that, uh, and so the fact that I love walls that are just have no rhyme or reason, it's got to be the Lord. Maybe the Lord wants me to stare at it and be like, hey, everything doesn't have to be perfect for me to be there. So I don't know. But anyway, um, we're in a series called Truly Free in 2017, and I've uh, been hearing testimonies from some of you about how God is working that freedom in your life, and I'm so excited about that. Uh, this is something that he's been working in my life all through this year, and so I've been excited for that. Uh, there are no more books available in the back, uh, but if you want a copy of a book, we can still get those for you. They're $6.00. I believe $6. Uh, the study guides are still back there for $8 if you want to follow along um, with me and do some extra reading. Uh, that's certainly up to you. But as a reminder to you, as we go through this series, this is not a message about condemnation. And so if you hear things from my mouth that sound like I'm putting you down, please forgive me for that and then allow the Holy Spirit to turn that into something that's hope-filled because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and there's not one of us in this room who have not allowed the enemy access to our lives unknowingly or maybe even knowingly at times. And so it's not about condemnation. And when the enemy gets influence into our lives, it does not mean that we're now demon-possessed. It does not mean that we've lost our salvation. But I'm gonna tell you as we go through the message today, you'll see this, that when we give the enemy access to our lives, if we don't put a stop to that, if we don't close that door, he will try to take us to a place of destruction. And so that's the end result of it. And so that's why we preach messages like this so that we recognize, hey, this is the enemy. I gotta close the door on that thing. I gotta break those chains. And we break the, tr the chains with the truth, with what's true. And this book is true. And so it's not a message about trying harder. It's a message about trusting more. And you need to forget your past experience. If in the past you're like, well, I tried to get free before and I've tried everything to get free, um, well, try trusting Jesus more because that's freedom, okay? And so we're gonna walk through some of these different avenues and today we're gonna look at breaking the snare of pride. Over the last two weeks, we've kind of done the introduction. We talked about greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And you're gonna hear me talk over the next several weeks a lot about the devil. Because the Bible says, do not be unaware of his schemes. In other words, don't take, him, don't take him for granted. Don't be loose with him. But here's the thing. Don't exalt him either. And so no matter how much I talk about the devil or point out his schemes, keep in mind, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
Okay, so we're, it's not like the devil's bigger than God, but sometimes we make him bigger in our minds, and that's what we've got to put into perspective. And then last week, do you want to be free? If you want to walk in freedom, the choices are always there. And it's really just about the daily choice to keep responding to Jesus, to keep obeying Jesus, and to keep changing our mind. To keep changing our mind. And so as we break the snare of pride today, I didn't choose to start with pride. He actually starts with pride in the book. Um, and it's a good place to start because there's not one of us in this room that doesn't have to fight and deal with pride. In fact, as the scripture will point out to us, it's those that say, well, pride's not my thing that probably have pride the most, okay? Our human nature is proud. It's self-seeking. It's selfish. That is the very core root of pride. And I believe every sin in our lives flows out of pride, everything. Bitterness and unforgiveness, out of pride. Lust and greed, out of pride. Everything comes from pride. And so as we deal with this, because it's a part of all of our lives, and it is so a part of our culture, let me tell you, proud to be an American, okay? <laughs> pride is so subtle and so crazy. But how many of you have heard the saying, pride goes before a fall? You've heard that? Okay, well, you've heard wrong. Because that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa, I thought the Bible said that. Proverbs 16, 18 is our first verse. Look at this. Pride goes before destruction. A haughtiness before fall. Now, as far as I can tell from my understanding of Hebrew, haughtiness is the beginning, the birthplace of pride. It's a self-centered, you know, inflated view of self, but in some way, it's a lesser word than pride. It's not identical, okay? So when, when haughtiness comes into our lives, we're gonna fall. And in fact, the Bible says God opposes the proud. Sometimes when we fall, it's by his hand because he wants us to recognize pride trying to take root in our lives so we deal with it because if we don't and it grows up and it becomes full-fledged pride in our lives, the end of that road is destruction. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so haughtiness in the fall is not actually a punishment, it's actually grace. Does that make sense? There are two kingdoms the scripture talks about in the world. There's the kingdom of the world, the prince of power of the air, the enemy, and there's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates in humility. The kingdom of the world or the kingdom of the enemy operates in pride. In all the way back in the book of Isaiah, there's a scripture that is referring to our adversary, our enemy. And it says, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Everything our enemy stands for is about pride. It's about I, 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 I. I will, I will, I will. The kingdom of God is quite contrary to that and Jesus modeled it for us and the apostle Paul writes it for us in Philippians chapter two. Look, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others 
as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, okay? What you gotta understand is, this isn't a don't care about yourself at all, you know, don't save any money for your own family, don't buy groceries for your family, don't, uh, you know, take care of your, don't burn yourself out serving other people, you know, don't do it at the expense of yourself, take care of yourself, the Bible says, but, don't just look out for your own interests. Take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself even further in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on the cross. So the question is, every day of our life, we are faced with like a thousand decisions, whether to choose to think thoughts that align us with the kingdom of God in humility, or align us with the kingdom of the world and the enemy in self-centered, selfish, proud thinking. And so when the scripture says we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, it means we've got to say, you know what, that's a proud thought. I've got to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ because if I don't, I give the enemy a foothold into my life and he will begin to influence other thoughts and I don't want that. Amen. Thank you that my wife thought that was good. Hopefully someone else did too. But pride, here's, you gotta understand, pride opens the door for the enemy to influence our thinking. You say, well, Pastor Tom, I'm a Christian. I can't be influenced by demons. I can't be influenced by the devil. Yes, we can. That's why the scripture warns us over and over again about it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter four. The, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. They will be hypocrites and liars. Their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Now, whoa, put the reins on here. I mean, Jude talks about people that come along and will say that, you know, God's grace gives us the right to do whatever we want. I mean, we can partake in sexual immorality, we can partake in all kinds of sin, and it's okay because of God's grace. Jude does that, but I didn't put Jude's up here because most of us good Christian folk in this room realize that when the enemy says, go ahead and live how you want because it's not a big deal because of God's grace, that if God's word says it's wrong, it's wrong. But these deceptive spirits are religious. You know why they say it's wrong to do certain things? It's wrong to eat those foods. Don't eat those certain foods because that's displeasing to the Lord. Paul talks about this also in Colossians where he starts listing religious rules. And so these deceptive doctrines of demons, you will not stop attending church. You will sit in a pew week after week after week And yet you will believe you are serving God, but it will be man-made tradition and not the word of truth. And so when we let pride in, this is what happens. Look in Acts chapter five. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They sold land and they were bringing it to the church. Now, I want you all to do that, okay? It's in the Bible. (laughs) 
Sell all that you have and bring it to the church. It's no, here's the thing. But here's the thing. If, you, if God leads you to sell something and bring a gift, good. But if he doesn't, don't. And in the New Testament, these believers were like, hey, we could sell the land and we could lie and only bring a part of it and pretend like it's all of it. Don't do that. That's pride. And look what he does. Look what God does right here. I'm glad that he had to do this at the beginning to show us how serious this is, but he doesn't have to do it anymore. I would hate to have to, when people bring offerings, have to pick up bodies and carry them out. That would be terrible. And it would deter people giving. Think about it. If three people this week died right here, you'd be like, I ain't going to that basket. Put my offering back there. Why have you let Satan fill your heart? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Now, here's the thing. We assume, you know, Ananias is in, is in hell. I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he lied, but you lied recently? What if you would have died at that moment? Would you be in hell? I hope your theology doesn't teach you that. And so, where he is is really up to the Lord to determine. I don't know. I'm not saying it's okay to lie, but what I'm saying is Satan can fill our hearts when we're good church folk. And we're not, we're not, we don't see it. We can be blind to it. That's why we have to be in this book and be in fellowship with one another so we can help each other to see these blind spots that the enemy sneaks into our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The apostle Paul is talking about all these great revelations that he gets from God and to keep me from becoming proud. I was given a thorn in my flesh. In other words, I was giving something to continually battle to keep me from becoming spiritually arrogant because God was showing me all these truths and revelations. I mean, it almost makes me want to stop praying for revelation. Okay, God, I'll just take little doses so that I don't have to have a thorn in the flesh. Now, granted, I am nowhere near the Apostle Paul, so my thorns in the flesh are probably as a result of my own stupidity and not because the Lord wants to keep me from being proud. But here's the thing. Any trial you go through that helps humble you is a gift from God. Because when we can learn to walk in humility, that's where he wants us. And so Paul goes on to say, God's power works best in weakness. So I boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. I take pleasure in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Only if they keep us humble. If we get insulted and we become bitter, if we get hurt and we become bitter, if we get persecuted or face trouble and we become in some way angry and we don't allow that full humility to work in our life and trust that God is the filter for everything that comes in, then pride will come in. And so we wanna keep the door closed to pride. The last one from 1 Timothy chapter three, an elder in the church, a, a deacon, a leader, should not be a new believer because they might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. See, I've been in a place where someone didn't get elected as a deacon and they stormed, well, you know it's here because I haven't been anywhere else, and they stormed, <laughs> big secret, but they stormed out of the church and they never came back. Can I tell you something? They weren't ready to be a deacon. Because if you get rejected as a leadership position in the church and your heart becomes hard and bitter, you weren't ready in the first place. That was the litmus test. 
Okay, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but that shows. I mean, our responses to what happened to us show us where we are and what we're ready for. And they do that to help humble us, not to push us down and make us feel worthless, but to keep us understanding that God is in total control of my life. Let's look at Peter's story. I wanna go to Matthew chapter 16 because this is a great example. I mean, I've used this saying at times in my life and people have misunderstood it and uh, I wanna explain it in case I ever use it on you. Uh, Matthew 16, Peter has just had a revelation that, remember Jesus says, who, who do you think I am? And everybody guesses and they're all wrong. <clears throat> and Jesus is, and Peter's like, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And he's like, Blessed are you, Peter, because God has revealed this to you. This wasn't your own thinking. Okay, God showed you that, and on that rock, that revelation, I'm gonna build my church. The very next statement, Jesus then begins to tell them that it's necessary to go to Jerusalem so that he would suffer many terrible things at the hand of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day raised from the dead. Now, you and I are like, oh, yeah, that's true, and we are grateful for that. Thank you for that. But Peter's looking at this thinking, no, you're gonna be the Messiah. You're gonna rule. You're gonna set us free from Roman oppression. What do you mean, die? And so Peter takes him aside and reprimands him for saying these things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. Now, Peter's not demon-possessed. He's not outside the fold of God, but his thoughts are being influenced by the enemy. So he is not saying, Peter, you're Satan, but just like he said, Peter, that revelation that you just gave is what I'm gonna build my church on, the revelation you're now giving comes from Satan, so get it behind me. Now, I don't recommend saying that to people, but at times when people say things, I actually say that, get behind me, Satan, and I've had people like get angry at me. I didn't call you the devil, but what you just said, I don't want in my life, and so I'm talking to what you just said, get behind me. I don't want that thought in my head. I got enough of my own junky thoughts up here. I don't need you spitting some at me too. And so if what you say contradicts this book, you might every once in a while hear me say, get behind me, Satan. Now, same goes, vice versa. If you hear me say something that's contrary to this book, you can say, hey, get behind me, Satan. Y'all, I don't think you're convinced, but anyway. So, so Jesus is teaching his disciples about being a disciple and letting everything go. And then he starts talking about, to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Because there's pride in your heart, Peter. You've given him access and so he's asked for the right to sift you like wheat. And I have prayed for you that after you fall, I mean, what a prophecy. <laughs> I thought prophecy was supposed to be encouraging. It is. After you fall and are brought back. See, if you want to prophesy over someone, you're going to fall or the Lord's about to condemn you. That ain't the Lord. If you're going to prophesy, you're about to fall, but you're going to be brought back. That's a prophecy. Okay, the scripture teaches us prophecy should edify and encourage the body of Christ. It is not our place to condemn someone, but if we need to point out sin, we can say, hey, if you don't heed this, if you don't walk away from this, you're gonna fall. But I'm gonna pray for you that when you're brought back, you'll strengthen others. 
Now, it would be better to just avoid the fall, but Peter didn't. And then later, in the New Testament, Peter, after he sifted, after he falls, after he's brought back, look what he teaches. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Then he ties it to spiritual warfare. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Now, you could take verse eight and nine and put that on a plaque in your house, but the only way we are going to stand firm and be strong in our faith is if we put verse six with it. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. You cannot resist the enemy without humbling yourself under the power of God. Humility has to come first or there's no power because then it's in your strength. And if you think in our strength we're gonna resist the enemy, you're kidding yourself. He is way craftier than any of us. You will not recognize him. He will slip in undetected. We humble ourselves before the Lord and before one another so that we can grow and resist the enemy together. And so we weigh every thought, we weigh every prophecy. Doesn't the scripture tell us? Someone gives a word, everyone else test it. Does that come from the Lord? Is that the scripture? Is that the word of God? Test it. What spirit does it come from? And if it's from the, the devil, put it out. No, we don't want that word. That is not a word from God. But if it's tested and it lines up with scripture, even if I don't like it, it's from God, right? If it lines up with this book, even if I don't like the word, it's from him. And so we humble ourselves, we take these thoughts captive, we make them obedient to Christ. Do you know that when Paul says this in Corinthians, to take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ, we demolish every high and lofty thing that sets itself against the knowledge of God. Those are the words he uses. It's either 2 Corinthians 10 or 1 Corinthians 10. It's a 10 and it's in Corinthians where he's talking about the weapons that we have to demolish these thoughts. We're trying to demolish our actions. He says demolish your thoughts. You will never change your actions if you don't change your thinking. You have to change how you think so that your behavior then changes. And see, when people get saved, we try to change their behavior. You gotta get your behavior right. You gotta stop doing all those things you were doing. You gotta get them to change the way they think and their behavior will come. Help them understand they're a child of God. Help them understand that we've been given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead so we can imitate God. Change how you think and the actions will change. And so what Peter does before is he's, he's trusting in his own wisdom, he's trusting in his own strength, and he's trusting in his own righteousness. His own wisdom is right here in, in, P, in Matthew chapter 16 where we read. His wisdom said, you're not gonna die, but God's wisdom was, yes, I am gonna die. 
If you remember Peter, how was he trusting in his own strength? Remember when Jesus said, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be arrested tonight and all of you are gonna fall away. Oh, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. And even after Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're gonna deny you even know me. He's trying to deal with the pride in Peter's heart. Oh no, Lord, never. You're in for a fall, Peter, because I'm trying to deal with what's in your heart and you're just rejecting it. Peter trusts in his own righteousness in the story. Remember, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times should we forgive our brothers? Like seven times? (laughs) Lord, I feel, I have a revelation for you, that the forgiveness we should offer to our brothers is seven times our own righteousness. I could handle seven. How about you? I mean, seven is a big, if someone does the exact same thing to you seven times, that's a lot of forgiveness, isn't it? That's trusting in your own righteousness. And Jesus says, not seven times. How about 70 times seven times? And you know what the disciples' response was? (laughs) Lord, increase our faith. See how this ties together? Trusting in our own wisdom, trusting in our own uh, strength, and trusting in our own righteousness. Let's look at a couple verses with each of them, and then we're gonna gonna close by taking communion together. In James chapter three, if you are wise and understands God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life by doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. See, God's wisdom produces humility, not pride. But if you are bitterly jealous, and if there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with the the truth, with boasting and lying. What did Peter cover up his wisdom with? Boasting and lying. Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual and demonic. So where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. See, we thought only sexual immorality was a big deal. We thought only pornography was a big deal. We thought only smoking was a big deal. We thought, you know, but there, in our churches all across this nation, there is so much selfishness and there is so much selfish ambition and jealousy and fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, we are the hope of the earth. What are we fighting over stuff that just doesn't matter for? I mean, we've been called to be a light in the community. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about how to help people out there recognize they need a savior. And everything we do as a church ought to point to that. And there's a lie that floats around that says, oh no, we need to balance it with ministry to the body and ministry to them. No, we need to go to them. He came to seek and save that which was lost, not balance it. And here's the thing. If we start doing what he wants, he'll take care of this. That's the balance. The balance isn't we have to take care of ourselves. The balance is take care of his lost sheep and he'll take care of us. That's good stuff. I know it's harder to live out than it is to preach. Trust me. 1 Corinthians, we, the wisdom we speak with is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. 
Okay, that means the, the cross was on his mind, you know, it's scriptural, before the world began. I mean, he knew it. Even before he created us, he knew it. But the rulers of this world, they didn't understand it. If they had understood it, they would have never crucified our glorious Lord. See, the enemy did not know. The enemy is not all-knowing. He can't read your thoughts. If you start speaking it and you start living it, then he'll, yeah, he's smart and he'll attach to that and he knows what you're thinking when you start saying and living a certain way. But when it's just a thought, he can't read that. So don't give him that credit. Because he didn't know that that would be his greatest downfall. And the thing is, is now that he knows that, he's even more ticked. And so now he wants to destroy us and keep us from that. We cannot trust in our own wisdom, the wisdom of self, the wisdom of pride, the wisdom of the flesh. God chooses the weak things that the world considers foolishness to display his wisdom and strength through. Not only do we not trust our own wisdom, we don't trust our own strength. It is not by force or strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't make bold claims. Oh, Pastor Tom, I am never gonna be bitter again. You are setting yourself up for a fall. I mean, it's not just words. With the Lord's help and grace, I wanna choose never to be bitter again. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not, stu- I'm not foolish enough to think that I can do this in my own strength. I gotta recognize I need his help. And guess what? When you start saying, I need your help, I need your help, that's humility. Grace, he gives greater grace to the humble. I got this, Lord. Okay, you got this. You're about to fall, but when you turn back, strengthen your brother's. He said, you're about to learn a lesson that's gonna be valuable to you one day, but I wish I could have just taught you, you know, right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I already alluded to this one. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapon, not worldly weapons. We knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. See, we look at that and we think, well, you know, it it seems so stupid to think if I just change the way that I think, it's gonna change how I live. I mean, I gotta do something to change how I live. No, it really is that simple. If you start changing the way you think and you start getting this into you, how does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. It really is that simple. It's called changing how you think to line up with what he thinks and then he's gonna come alongside you and give you grace to change your behavior. Yeah, you'll have to do something eventually, but it doesn't start with us. The last one is we cannot trust in our own righteousness. And if you have gone to church for any length of time, this is the the one that snares most of us. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Yes, I know we walk in obedience. I know we tithe and we give according to the Lord's command. I know we serve others and we do all these things, but we do it out of a, out of a, a love for him and not to just earn our standing with him. 
The only reason you're able to tithe, the only reason you're able to give is because he gave you that revelation. He gave you the grace to do it. The only reason you serve others is because he gave it to you. You are, we're nothing without him. And it's so easy to start thinking we're something without him. And he says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. You want a New Testament verse? God saved you by his grace when you believed. That means full salvation when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. In the stories in Luke chapter 15, there's three stories Jesus tells. And uh, I read a book recently called The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. I've read it before. I reread it again uh, just recently. And it highlights these three stories. Because when we talk about the story of the prodigal son, we focus on the son that went away. But can I tell you, that's a story about two lost sons. And if you look at the, the three parables Jesus uses, he tells one about the lost sheep that strayed away. Then what's he tell the story about? The lost coin. A woman lost a coin in the house. And then he tells about two lost sons, one that strayed away and one that was lost in the house. And the, the father went to both of them. Do you know that? He ran to the one that was coming home, but he also went out I'm so grateful he goes to the ones that are lost in the house. Because <laughs> I didn't really stray away. I was lost in the house. Thinking I was better than others. Thinking that I had some revelation that other people didn't have. And he'll come out to you and he'll say, hey, your brother came home. Come in and celebrate with me. And he's like, no, look at all this I've done for you. And you never gave me anything. Everything I had was yours. Wasn't that the truth? I mean, if he already gave the younger son the, the share of the estate, everything I had was yours. But you were lost in the house. And we miss that. We start trusting in our own righteousness. God, I deserve better than this. How could I have cancer? I've tithed, I've served. It's not a punishment for what you've done or not done. He loves you. God, how could my child be taken from me? Two of the most amazing people that I know lost two sons at a young age. How does that happen? God, look how faithful they are to you. They serve in the church. How is, that's not fair. But we can start trusting in our own righteousness, thinking, God, you owe me. See how the enemy does it? He doesn't just give you a break because you are suffering some hardship. He comes alongside and says, hey, God owes you. Look how righteous you have been. And you turn to him and you say, get behind me, Satan. My righteousness comes as a gift of God so that none, none of us can boast. One last scripture. James 4. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God 
and God will come close to you. It really is that simple. You want to close the door on pride and every one of us needs to. Some of us more than others, but all of us are susceptible to this because it's, it's in our nature. It's in human nature. God opposes us when we're proud. So humble yourselves before God. Declare your absolute dependence on him. God, I need your wisdom. I'm not smart enough on my own. God, I need your strength. I'm not smart enough on my own. God, everything I've done, all my righteousness is like filthy rags. Everything I have is from you. And it keeps your heart soft toward people that hurt you, toward people that offend you, toward prodigals that come in that you think maybe need to clean up a little bit because they've squandered what God gave them. It'll change everything when we acknowledge before God what we need. And so what we're gonna do today, every week of this series, I want us to take communion. Um, Because this reminds us it's not us. Okay, if we're gonna walk in freedom, it's the truth that sets us free, it's his word that sets us free. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This is what it's all about. It's my body, it's my blood, that's everything that puts you in right standing with me. So you can come and you can ask me for anything because of this. But here's the flip side of that. You didn't get anything on your own, it was because of this. So this is the foundation. And so this is where humility begins. And we're gonna take this every week as a reminder of whatever snare we're talking about that needs to be broken. There's no condemnation. We've let the enemy come in. We were unaware. Uh, Maybe you never saw these scriptures come together like this before. Don't beat yourself up. Come to the table. Come and remind yourself that he did it all for you and come back to him. Close the door on pride. And today how we're gonna close is I'm gonna set the trays out on the table and we're gonna let you come and receive them. And I'm gonna play the video that I played a few weeks ago, Oh Holy Night, um, because it's a great picture of why Jesus came at Christmas and the story of Christmas and what that means and how that leads us to freedom. If you listen especially to the words of verse two, that he came to set captives free, all oppression now will cease because of him. And so I want that to play as we come and receive the elements. And then I want you to just take them and go wherever you want to go. If you want to go in pairs, if you want someone else to pray for you, uh, we will be here. The prayer team can come. If you want someone to agree with you, if you just want to go to someone else and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you agree with me that uh, I deal with pride in my life? You don't have to confess where it is, but just pray together. Find someone to agree in prayer with and do that. If you can't come physically to the table, I'm going to take one tray and I'm just going to wander okay and so if you need to just stay seated for physical reasons and you can't come and receive uh, I'm going to bring it to you okay and then you'll be able to receive at your seat and then uh, I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal now so that whenever you're done uh, receiving communion and getting prayer that you're going to be able to go but I want to encourage you to take this moment to humble yourself before the Lord so that he in the right time can lift you up and so father I just thank you today, God, that you are a God full of grace and love. God, you abound in mercy. You have never treated us as our sins deserve. And God, we are all fully and painfully aware today because of your word that cuts like a knife. 
of the pride in our own hearts and how subtle that that can be. And today we want to close the door on those areas. And so we're gonna come to your table. Jesus, we're gonna remember that it is by grace we have been saved, that it is a gift from you and any righteousness that we have accumulated since then is only because of you. Any wisdom and revelation that we have is only from you. Any strength that we have to overcome addiction or overcome things in our lives is only because of you because God we want to be in right standing with you we want to be fully aware that our relationship with you is based on that and we want our relationships with others to be based on humility God being able to release those who have wronged us because we understand that that's how we've treated you and so we want to humble ourselves fully before you today so that your grace so that your love so that your mercy not only flows into our lives but flows out of our lives too. And so God, I pray for this body as we partake of these elements together today. God, I pray your blessing over them as we leave here today. God, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them and that you would be gracious to them and give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Once I put the elements out, feel free to come and receive them. If you need to wait in your seat, I'll be around in just a moment. serve the elements.
Oh 